Welcome to the Honest Field Guide Podcast, a weekly show dedicated to winning in entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Ginger Birkenbuehl. I'm the CEO of Burt Creative, a leadership, brand strategy, and visual identity agency dedicated to helping scale brands and assist with their adaptability with the market. On my show, you get to eavesdrop in on intimate conversation with business leaders and inspired entrepreneurs designed to give you tips and strategies so your own business can thrive. Subscribe and join me each week for laughter, inspiration, and honest stories. Everybody. Welcome, welcome to the Honest Field Guide podcast. I'm Ginger Birkenbuehl. I am the host and creator, and I am here today to talk with a very special guest that I haven't talked to in a couple of years. But before we get to that, I just want to thank you for coming because you could be anywhere you want in the world, but you've decided to come here and listen to the Honest Field Guide. I would love it if you would like, follow, and share this podcast with everyone you know. Please do that. And then if you would please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And I'm actually not sure how reviews work on Spotify, but I think you can leave a review on Spotify or at least a thumbs up. That would be fantastic for me and my guests as well. So first of all, I have to sort of predicate this conversation a little bit because this is the first time I have ever, 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 ever brought a guest back on my show. Like I've never done that before because I don't know, I haven't really felt compelled to do it. Like I'm like, I loved everybody I talked to and everybody told the story they had to tell. And you know, everybody's, I guess, changing in their lives and doing new things. But this particular person, there's like a sea change from where this person was then to where they are now. And I have been following this amazing young man online since 2020. And really just watched him blossom as an entrepreneur, as a public speaker, as a relationship maker. Like he's just doing so many great things. And I thought, you know what, if anyone is coming back to my show, it's going to be him because he went through a lot in the pandemic. He went through a lot. We all went through a lot. But in particular, this young man, when I first talked to him, he was in high school and he was about to be graduating senior and he had several businesses at the time, sold a couple And everything changed for him in 2020 because we were in a pandemic and everything shut down. He didn't even have an opportunity for a live graduation. He didn't get to say goodbye to his friends. He didn't get to travel to the foreign countries he was going to be traveling with. He didn't get to go on vacation with his parents. And But he was still running his business. He was like, you know what? Ain't nothing stopping me. I'm still going to get my businesses going. So I really wanted to have him come back because I want to know what's happened. Because you know what? A lot has changed with me since the pandemic. So I'm going to read the bio that I actually read back in 2020. And I know that my guest is going to have some feedback around this because it's not the way it was. It's not that way anymore. But here we go. So Matt Burzak, who I'm talking with today, is an entrepreneur. He started Kicks of Chicago back in 2018 while he was at a summer coding program in San Francisco. Kicks of Chicago is a custom shoe business that creates hand-painted sneakers, specializing in sweater art, design prints, and cartoon themes. Everything Kicks creates is hand-painted, original, and done carefully with many hours invested in each project. Recently, the brand partnered up with a sneaker consignment shop, League Ready, to extend their service throughout the store. Matt started this company because he wanted to make custom shoes for himself and his roommates because when they wanted to purchase online, they were too expensive. So he decided to take action and try it himself. 
successfully selling the first pair he created. For this first purchase, Kicks of Chicago began growing from there, and the business allows him to put his combined love for art and sneakers into one activity. And Matt, I want to welcome you back to the Honest Field Guy podcast. Now that you've read this, what do you have to say for yourself now? Does it still sound relevant to you? Yeah. So first off, I want to just thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. And because you were the first, I think, podcast that had me on for my business. So I appreciate you having <laughs> me back a few years later. And well, most of it's still relevant. Still started for the same reason. Still do custom hand-painted stuff. I've extended my line to, you know, I use leather stuff now. I use fabrics. I use more shoelace stuff. I use rope laces and stuff. So I extended that. I don't work with League Ready anymore because they kind of shut down during COVID and then they moved their location and stuff. So it got a little harder. We just have grown to work with more celebrities now. We've worked with other brands, though, instead of League Ready. So now we've just been doing a little bit more and then also started another thing on the side to kind of work with the shoe stuff that I'm doing right now. So not most of it's ready. Well, let me back up a little bit. So first of all, the last time I talked to you, you were in your house, in your bedroom, and now you're in college and behind you is your dorm. So that's like a big difference. And you have matured. Your face is older, not like older looking, but your expression, your entire thing is, you know, you're not in high school anymore. And where are you in college? Are you at University of Wisconsin? Where are you? Yeah, I'm at University of Wisconsin-Madison right now. So what's your outlook now? Like when you were graduating, you were excited to be going to University of Wisconsin. I think you said you were still going to be playing basketball. I know you were going to still be running your business, which obviously you've done. But what was that transition like for you? I mean, because you didn't come in as a normal high schooler. I mean, you came in with a business. So in some ways, I'm like, did you even need to go to college? Like what has changed in your mindset around college now that you're in it and you have a business and you know, I don't even know what your major is. What are you majoring in? So I'm majoring in finance and marketing, a little double major right there. The transition is a really weird one because I was one of the students that decided to go on campus for my freshman year just because I wanted my own space. I kind of wanted to get the experience. I wanted to, you know, meet people that were also, you could say, quote unquote, risk takers or like, you know, wanted to socialize even though there's a pandemic going on. So I kind of want to be part of that group. And also I had my brother. Like two weeks into college, I got COVID. So we got put into isolation dorms. And then I had the option to either go back to my normal dorm, my roommate, or I could go with my brother who had a apartment off campus, but I, he had a living room. So I ended up living my first semester in college in my brother's living room. And that's where I kind of ran everything from. But it's a lot different. It's a lot more peaceful here in college. Cause I, like right now I have a single dorm. So I don't have roommates. So I essentially kind of just turn into my workshop with all the shoes. Like I have a hundred like shoes in this place right now. Can you turn the camera around? Yeah. Like I have oh my shoes goodness. everywhere. Boxes on boxes. Wow. So you're in college and you're running a business. I mean, would you consider your business a full-time business? I mean, what's it like running a business while you're in school? How do you even make that work? It's a lot of like sleepless nights, unfortunately, because you have to balance. Like today, I have three classes. Like right after this, like as soon as we finish, I got to go to class at three. So I have two classes morning. And then in between classes, I do work. So I either ship stuff. I do a little painting. I do a little sketching between classes. And then as soon as I finish with all classes, I get straight to shoes until I just can't no more. And then I'll do like a homework assignment right before bed or something to kind of just finish off the day. And then once in a while, I'll take like a day to just study for finals and exams. So just a lot of time management. So with your business, is school informing your business or is your business informing school? I mean, are you learning new things or are you listening to teachers and saying that is absolutely 
not right? <laughs> I mean, like, what is it like to be running a full-time business and learning at the same time about finance and marketing? I mean, education to me right now, it's a crapshoot. It's like, why am I going to school to learn when I can do these things on my own without going to get a degree for it? And you're kind of doing both. And I just need you to contextualize for me how this is actually helping you because you were already advanced when you graduated from high school. You were already ready to hit the ground running and start a business without going to school. But you chose to go to college. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that you learn in school is unfortunately like more outdated, but the concepts are still there. So like, for example, marketing class, they do a lot of stuff with like email marketing and like, you know, TV ads and stuff like that. Stuff like that doesn't apply to my business because mostly social media ran, but the concepts are still there. So it's cool to learn about the concepts, but it's not really needed for me. That's why there's a difference between college classes and then like acing them compared to like what I'm doing. So like, Stuff like the finance and accounting classes, they still apply. Like, I still need to do taxes. I still need to do accounting. I need to do costs, analysis, and stuff like that for my business. So it works, but, like, it's still, I feel, like, different because I'm doing more stuff on the fly, more, like, shortcut hands. I'm using, like, programs. I can look stuff up, but, like, you know, on exams, I can't do that stuff. But, like, it doesn't really apply as much as people think the college and what I'm doing because it's, like, such a new business. Like, we don't really talk about custom shoe businesses or, like, clothing businesses in college. You know what I'm saying? We talk about, you know financial accounting businesses, you know, retail, stuff like that. I'm just thinking, you know, you're talking about the concepts are helpful. What concepts are helpful for you? I guess I'm trying to figure out what is that concept? I mean, I love that you're getting financial literacy. Like that is so important, you know, understanding how to make spreadsheets and how to do, you know, cost projections and analysis and how to buy products and figure out what your profit is so that you're not having too much stuff. Like, I'm hoping you're learning that kind of thing. I mean, the finance, I wish I had learned that. But the other things you're saying, the concepts are good, but the execution's outdated. What does that mean? So like in marketing, like you still need to build a connection, like emotional with the customer. You know, there's different marketing techniques of like how to kind of nudge consumers to buy things. So like, you know, marketing hasn't really changed in the concept of like how you're supposed to do, you know, tailored to customer emotions, kind of what they need, you know, price costs, like, oh, make something cost a lot more, make them feel like it's luxury and stuff like that. So stuff like that just hasn't changed, but just how you do it. Now, instead of doing it with an ad, like on a storefront or something, you got to do that on a IG post or you got to do it on a, you know, a Facebook post or something like that, or like through videos. So like, it's still there, but it's just, you got to like really reapply stuff. I mean, On the one hand, I'm excited that you're learning something. On the other hand, I'm discouraged because I feel like, why are they teaching that? You know what I mean? Like, where in the school can you learn modern marketing, advertising, and media buying experiences? Like, where do you do that? You know, like, what school is offering that? I mean, there are schools, actually, Matt, that do combine what you're doing with business. You know, like, if I think about some of the schools in New York, for example, that's all they focus on. I mean, the New York fashion schools that's what they do. Some of the schools in California do that as well. Some of the art schools, like if you go to an art school that has an entrepreneurship program with it, like literally an art school, you can do all the things you're describing and they might be a little bit more up to date, but I'm not even convinced they're up to date. Honestly, even the art schools, like I feel like they're not up to date on technology. Do you feel like you're getting a value out of it though? I mean, is it sort of the concept of needing a degree because that's what your parents want you to have. You know what I mean? Like there's always that push between I'm supposed to have a college degree because that's the narrative that I was grown up to believe versus other people that 
really didn't go get a college degree and they're just out there killing it. I mean, what is the benefit of what you're doing? Because I mean, you and I are in the same business at this point. I feel like I can say that now because you're a man. <laughs> like you were a kid, you know, like you were in high school last time we talked, right? I'm like, okay, I've been in business for, you know, 20 something years. And, you know, Matt's been in since he was three, you know, running game at the Catholic school selling origami and things like that. But like, what is the real true benefit for you outside of financial literacy? Because you can get that anywhere. Yeah, so majority of the reason I'm going is just kind of to like have like a plan B, like a backup. Yeah, having two degrees would be nice in case something did happen. Or I don't want to do this anymore. You know, kind of have like a safety net in a sense. And definitely for my parents, because, you know, they're European. So they have that mindset like, oh, we came to America for you to get an education. So like, you know, them taking literally that big risk to just come to America and just like get us an education that they didn't get to have. So I definitely want to do that for them and just to have like a safety net essentially. Well, you're almost at the finish line. So, I mean, at this point, there's no turning back. You know what I mean? There's just no turning back. Okay, so I love hearing you justify your education. I love the honor and respect that you have for your parents because they obviously poured a lot into you and your brother. And, you know, that's just a beautiful way to honor them. It also sounds like you're not sacrificing your dreams of entrepreneurship to honor them. You know, you're still going 95% and you're young enough that you can manage sleepless nights. Like I could never do what you're doing right now and take care of my kids. Like it just wouldn't happen. So I don't feel like you're blowing it. Like you're actually living it. You're living what you have to do. And, you know, when you graduate, see what happens. Kicks of Chicago was launched before the pandemic hit. And, you know, you were already moving really fast with the business. What has changed in your mind about Kicks of Chicago from 2020 to now, especially because we've gone through a pandemic? So your strategies pre-pandemic had to have been different than your strategies during the pandemic, and they have to be different now. And one of the things I want to also mention, and everybody needs to go listen to episode 39, which is the episode that I initially ran with Matt. And it's a very refreshing conversation with a young person, how to start and launch a business online, because he launched the businesses online. So like what has kind of transformed with your thinking around launching businesses and online businesses, given that we've been in a pandemic for two years? Because when you launched, there was no pandemic, like you had a vision of what you were going to do with it. And it had to have changed. Yeah. So I just launched a cut and sew clothing brand. So I kind of have to redo the whole process now after the pandemic. During the pandemic, it ended up being a lot of influencer marketing. We focused, like, as you saw probably on my profiles, you've been following a lot of my posts. Like, during the last two years, as soon as restrictions started easing and then concerts were able to, you know, kind of happen, a lot of stuff we did was influencer marketing, which was my personal favorite because I love just meeting people. I love meeting celebrities. I love meeting rappers I listen to. So it was fun. But it was a lot of outreach. It was a lot of just flying out to see people, a lot of story posts, a lot of content. We did YouTube videos. You saw everything. We filmed everything. We took pictures of everybody. So a lot of that stuff was super successful for us, so influencer marketing. This past year, around Q4 and like November, around Black Friday, we decided to kind of change the strategy. So do a lot less influencer marketing because we've gotten to the level where like we've done so much influencer marketing. Like we've literally seen everyone except like Drake and Kanye at this point. Like I've done a lot of the, you know, the big name rappers that are, you know, doing top 10 in, you know, sales of music. I did, you know, the models. I did some basketball players. So we kind of want to shift it to see what other avenues we can do. And that avenue has now turned into doing more advertisements on our page. So we actually started running like Instagram ads, which has, I feel like converted a little bit better for us. It definitely has gotten us more accelerated growth. We did more advertising on Etsy, for example, as well. So we started buying a little bit more ads on there because we weren't really buying ads. It was just, we were very competitive with pricing on Etsy. 
but we weren't making as much as we thought we should. So I decided I should raise my price a little bit and then run some ads on it so you get a like, better conversion. So we just been doing a lot of that. And then once in a while, we'll have like a salary that will reach out to us. So we'll still do them, but it's just less doing stuff for promotion, but just doing more stuff for like just we just want like the sale essentially. All right. So you pivoted from influencer marketing, which you were doing a lot. And you started making money. And so you had some money to actually start running ads because you weren't running ads before. You weren't running no. any ads. I remember that. So we weren't running ads. We were just doing posts. And then we somehow just got in contact with influencers. But now also after we decided to do the ads, we started doing a lot more organic videos. So like, you know, the Instagram reels and TikToks, we started like, you could say doubling down because I wasn't doing them up until probably like the last summer. Like last summer, probably midway through the summer, we're like, all right, we got to start making a TikTok account. We got to start posting on Instagram reels. So We've been doing that, like, we try to post, like, every day, get a new reel up, new TikTok up, just more organic content. People still find us from our old, like, tutorial videos from YouTube. Be like, oh, I saw this. I couldn't do it. Can you just do it for me? I remember those videos. They're so awesome. I mean, they were really fresh. And I kind of feel like you're ahead of your time with that. I really do, because that's all people do now. That's all people do is show how things are done. You know what I mean? So what about your mindset? You know, you're wrenching another business, and I want you to talk about that. But do you still love Kicks of Chicago to the extent that you used to? I mean, is it still sort of something that you're going full force on? Do you feel like you might want to sell it like you sold the other company? I mean, last time we talked about this, the question was, okay, it would be challenging for me to sell the company because I'm the artist, you know, and then you were at the time talking about, you know, employing some other people to help you make the art and the shoes. Now in my head, I'm like, well, you could still sell the company. You could be an employee of the company that you sell it to and they can hire you to make art. So what is your idea around that now? Because you've already sold another online business you launched before Kicks of Chicago. So you know what that means when I'm asking you about selling. Yeah. So while we were in like the midst of influential marketing era, I would just call it, where we were just like flying out every weekend to a different state. I did get like investors reach out that like, you know, own venture capitalist funds and stuff like that, that wanted to like buy into the business. However, I just didn't think the offer was like reasonable enough or they wanted like too much of the company or they didn't want to do what I wanted to do. So I was like, you know what, if they see the vision can be this big, like then it's going to be this big in a sense. So I was like, I might as well just take over control myself. Yeah, I'll make probably a few mistakes, but I've went to these meetings. I've talked to what they think they can do for me. So like what's stopping me from doing what they want to do, but a little bit more tailored to what I want. So we did have people wanting to like buy out the place just to constantly and have me work for it and me like, you know, be a manager and stuff. But I was like, nah, I don't really want to do that because I'm still, what, two, three, four years into it. Like really two and a half, three years seriously taking this stuff. So if I do like this for a few more years, I can definitely grow to what I want to and then I can scale it up. And I did have like a quote unquote employee, but I did test out like having, you know, my little brother do like the small stuff, like prepping the shoe, taking care of all the shipping stuff. So he would like do the little stuff, but I would just still do the main part of sketching and painting. So we did test that out. It worked pretty well. But right now I have like a graphic designer that helps me with mock-ups. So I'll send them an idea. I'll send them the concept. I'll send them the pictures I want. And we'll mock it up on a shoe so I can send it to a client. So let me ask you this. So you are an entrepreneur and you can make other businesses. And there's always this you know, thing with entrepreneurs and small business owners that they really cannot release their businesses that they believe are still growing. Like they're just like, they're really like, I can't let go. Like, where's the line for you? You know, you're saying that you have a couple of years or you feel like you can scale it. And maybe at that point you'll reconsider selling. But do you think you might've missed the window? Because you are full of ideas. Like you could have launched another business and, you know, started from scratch. I mean, are you saying that you don't want to sell your business? Is it 
because you really actually feel like you're going to make way more money? Or is it more like this is my child that I raised from birth and I'm so attached to this? Or is it this particular business I have? It really does feed a lot of the places in my ego that I need to feed. Like where is the authentic truth around Kicks of Chicago? And then I want you to pivot to what new business you did launch and why did you do that? Yeah. So to answer the first question, I would say that the meeting was probably like a year ago today, like in that time mm-hmm. era, it was like April last year. That's okay. where the stuff was like going off. We just did like little TJ, for example, which was like a really big one for us. But it was like more of the fact that like we were still in the growing stages. I'm like, we just started popping off with influencers and like we had so much stuff lined up. And I was like, if I sell now, like I don't even see like what's going to happen. And then thank God I didn't because like we essentially doubled from last year this time ago you know what i'm saying so you're profitable yeah yeah definitely profitable well like last year we probably did like 75 shoes a month on a good month or whatever now we're doing probably like 100 on like a normal month and then doing 150 on like a really good month or like black friday this year compared to last year we literally doubled the amount of orders we got and like the point where we had to like stop orders because we weren't sure if we're going to fulfill them or not because like i had finals coming up and my brother couldn't help me and I had, you know, shipping times were kind of so weird and, you yeah. know, stuff like that. So it was just like, I knew deep down, like we haven't even reached our like peak and it's to the point where like, we're trying to figure out what the peak is. Cause like, we do want to sell, I kind of want to have a plateau kind of vibe. Now we're like, I'm going up. We can't like really do sure. more than what we're doing right now. So we also hit like a point where I thought kick Chicago was kind of stable. I kind of live by itself around that 20 K mark of followers. You know, we had the website set up. We had the SD going pretty well. We had everything running pretty smoothly. I thought I was doing pretty good in handling this tool and Kick Chicago. So I was like, what can I do with all this money that I'm bringing in from Kick Chicago? And I was like, I kind of want to start this clothing thing, but I don't want to do like the regular clothing stuff where it's like, oh, you just print something on a hoodie. I want to do the pump prints. I want to do the cut and sews, different fabrics. I want to do embroidery patches on jeans and stuff like that. So I was like, I have all these ideas. I see this stuff online all the time. Other brands doing it that are like, you know, higher up. I was like, let's see if we can do this a little bit more affordable. Let's see if I can find manufacturers that can do it for me. I like a certain aesthetic. I like the angel kind of vibe aesthetic, the old English kind of aesthetic. Around Black Friday, I was like, oh, the first time to launch. Kind of, I would say like my professional, more official clothing brand. I know I told you I started a clothing brand back in the day, but I was like, print-on-demand stuff. This is more like pre-order stuff. We're like custom-made. So we launched that. It's called Broken Order. It's a clothing brand. And it's kind of more like a creative project for me where it's like I'm doing stuff that I want to wear, stuff that I don't see, but I want. I kind of want to do stuff that's more creative than just, you know, just shirts and hoodies. I want to do like hoodies that got full zip-ups and stuff on the hoods and, you know, I'm saying like puff print, you know, stuff that just like you wouldn't find in a store regularly. Do you have something right now you can show me? Yeah, I do actually. I want to see this. It sounds amazing. It sounds like something I want to buy. So we just launched these. We're still in that kind of hoodie phase, but we got more stuff coming, like the next drop. So it's like, you oh see my how goodness. Like, it's cut and wow. sold. Like, this is cut and sold. The hoodie's different. You know, I know it's just like a plain black hoodie, but we did that. Wow. So wait, tell me what you did on this. Tell me like, what did you do on this hoodie? So everything's made from scratch. We got sleeve prints in the tribal pattern. Oh my gosh. We okay. got this lettering. This is a sample, but this ended up being a puff print on the words. Then we have the background tribal print that goes from the sleeve. Then we have an entirely cut and sew pockets and then cut and sew hoodie. And then we have four colorways of this. So just stuff like that. Wow. And so like, where did you learn all this terminology? Like, where did you figure out how to do all these things? Because this is a whole nother level from finding white Air Jordan 1s and painting them with, you know, fabric paint. 
Yeah. I mean, you just really like, I remember from our earlier conversation, you love doing research. Yeah. You know, you're really into research. Yes. Is that what you had to do while you were in college to do this? I mean, this sounds wild to me. This yeah, sounds wild. So that's a lot more complex than what I was doing before because I got to talk to people overseas, you know, different time yeah. zones, you know, shipping time, like even like sending money. Like normally, you know, you go on like a custom ink and just pay. But now I got to go through like a money gram or I got to go through writtenly, you know what I'm saying? I got to do wire transfer. So, you know, there's a trust factor. Like, can I trust these guys overseas? You know. How did you find all these people? Like, were you just doing Google searches? I mean, did you have relationships or what? So I had a friend who helped me who started a clothing brand. I kind of got inspiration from him because he started a clothing brand like probably like three years ago, but his stuff took off probably like a year ago. I told him like I had the idea to get back into clothing because I wanted to do obviously shoes. The only next thing is like do clothing to it. So people were always telling me like do clothing or whatever to go with the shoes or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I sell like six Chicago, like, you know, shirts and stuff like, but that's just for me to kind of wear with the wrapper. So like, you know, in the picture, it's like branded and stuff. Yep. You know, I sold a few here and there because why, like, if people ask me, I'm not going to say no. But I never did, like, a collection launch for Kick Chicago for real. So I was like, okay, I want to do this stuff. But I'm hanging out with all these rappers, and I see them wearing the Louis V. I see them wearing, you know, the Rue. I see them wearing the gallery department. It's all cool stuff that, like, it's obviously a lot more expensive and not accessible to people, but, like, it's still streetwear. It's, like, luxury streetwear. And I was like, I kind of want to do that. And, like, you know, I'm always wearing my shirts around them. And I had rappers ask me stuff, like, I'm doing clothing. Like, can I do custom clothing for them? I was like, you know, I got my friend doing it. I got rappers asking for it. I love it myself. I've done it in the past. I want to get back into it. I got ideas. So it's kind of like the perfect storm of me, you know, starting something back up again, but doing it on a higher level, more professional level. Now we're doing like actual photo shoots. We're creating content. We're running ads. We're linking Facebook to Instagram. We're doing all this extra stuff that we weren't doing before. We were doing a hype up week to the launch nowadays, you know, stuff like that, that like we weren't doing in the past, you know? My goodness. I mean, it's just so much. It's completely amazing. And I think being in college, when you're doing all this, all I want you to do is hurry up and graduate. So you, yeah. can, like, so you can go all in because like, I'm like, if this is your all in, you ain't even seen nothing yet. When you get your degree and you're actually free because you're not free right now. You know what I mean? It does sound like business is good. It sounds like you have a really amazing network of people that are, you know, helping you strategize and like, you know, here's what I've done and here's how you can do some of the things that I've done. And I think that having that network is important. I want to understand how did you build that network in a pandemic? Because the reality is I feel like we've really only been out of this pandemic for like a year. So how did you build this network while you were in college? People have trouble networking, Matt. I mean, they just are scared and, you know, afraid to like reach out and talk to people and shake hands. You know, I mean, when you really couldn't shake hands, I know we talked about that, but you couldn't shake hands. But what are your strategies for networking? What can you tell someone that's thinking about starting a business or in the business now and they're really struggling to like get hold of things? Like, what do you do right now? Are you like just hanging out on Discord and like Instagram and talking to people? Like, what are you doing? How did you do it? So a lot of it comes through like past relationships. So like, obviously, I grew up in Chicago and I played a lot of basketball. So during the start of pandemic, before we went to college, I decided to kind of help my friend out. And he was kind of getting into videography. He's like the guy who films everything for me now. Like okay. all the trips, he always comes to trips with me. So, you know, we obviously were friends for a long time. And then I got him into video and then he started continuing videoing. And he started his business to start pandemic to do video. So I picked up the camera as well, but I did photos to kind of complement his skill set. So he would do video, I'll do photos for clients, whatever. And I would say... It was a key part in how I learned how to network was do the photography stuff because we go on photo shoots, but we would do a lot of outreach. So we'd be like, oh, since there is a pandemic, a lot of the workouts that 
pro players, college players have to do are going to be private. So we started doing photo shoots, reaching out to like the top trainers in the area and seeing if we could come in and just take photos for you for free or whatever. And obviously my friend Rafi would charge them or whatever, but I wouldn't. I would just come there and network, meet people. So I'd be meeting all these NBA players, all these pro trainers, all these top college players during a pandemic. And like I could hoop. So they know I could hoop because they would see me because I played at a nationally recognized high school. Was this 2021 or 2020 or both between those two years? We did it through that whole year. And like I even came to Wisconsin the first semester. I was still doing photography stuff with the basketball team here just to kind of get like meet people and stuff. Like I would just come into workouts like off campus to like just shoot stuff, meet the players and stuff. So we were doing this the whole pandemic. And then I started making money while taking photos while I was doing the custom shoes. Like if I was doing custom shoes, I was going to photo shoot to meet people, to kind of network. And we were meeting all these pro players, these trainers and all that stuff. And they would be like, yo, can we get some shoes? Let's do some shoe stuff. And then they would post and I would meet people. And then network started growing. And then when I got here to school, I decided to do more outreach. So literally just started DMing people that, you know, had a bigger presence online than I did. So like any low-key rappers in Chicago that were up and coming, I would try to hit them up, even big ones. And then if I lucked out on the big ones, they would respond to me. And then I would like go above and beyond to give them value. If they needed a shoe, I would make sure they would have it within like days or I would have like mock-ups for them made. I would go above and beyond, like add new laces and stuff like that. And then I would even go as far as going from Wisconsin to Chicago to drop them off so I can meet them in person, build a real connection. They can see my face. I could talk to them. We could show at their house. You know, I was doing that like nonstop for like a few months. And then I had big name rappers be like, yo, you're doing so much for me. You're getting these jackets done within like two, three days of when I need them for my video. Like, you want to come on set with me? I would come on set with them. I'll meet the other rappers that are having a featured video. i meet the main videographers for the music videos that own the big companies. I'll meet the label managers. I'll meet the A&Rs that are on set. And that's kind of how the network starts building because like you go above and beyond for like the client and the client makes sure you're taken care of. He wants to show your work to other people. Like I've been flew out to LA for just doing a pair of shoes for a rapper before. And then from that trip, I meet three other rappers that also want shoes because they like my work. And then just like that snowball effect that goes in. So that's a lot of in-person networking. Are you starting digitally first? I mean, you're. Yeah, I just you want to understand, to. like, what is your digital networking like now? Not necessarily looking back, but how are you networking? Because when I run workshops, I always stress understanding how to write, how to communicate, how to introduce yourself when you're on chat environments, you know, things like that. What is your process and strategy for online networking? So it has changed, I would say. So before it would be a lot of DMs, it would be a lot of emails and you just have to do cold calls most of the time. Or like, if you know, let's say if I want to work with a pro player, but I know I have a teammate who played AU with them, I would ask my teammate, yo, what would be the best way to reach out to X, Y, and Z? Is there any way you're having a workout maybe, or you're seeing this person, like, can I come and meet you? So I would just shoot him a text, shoot him a DM, see who I know who's following them and kind of, you know, politely ask, let them know what I'm trying to do with that person. Like, oh, I'm trying to get my pair on NBA court, I think Taylor would be a great addition. Like, can you help me? I'll help you out. Maybe get you some shoes, you know, just like we can do something like, let's see what happens, you know? And you have to like be polite, get straight to the point. Like I know back in the day when I was doing like, I reached out some like paragraphs and stuff, like introducing myself. <laughs> but now I'm telling you it, yo, I make it as short and sweet as possible. Cause like once you get their attention, then you can talk about details. And then when you see them or if they ask for more details about you, then you just give it to them. So it's just like they see your page and also it's helped now that like I have a bigger 
digital footprint with like, you know, more followers. Like I look more established before I was reaching out to people with three, 4,000. Now I'm reaching out to people with 20,000. They see my work. They see I'm legit. They see all the people I've worked with before in the past. They see that other rappers are following me. They're like, okay, this guy's legit. So it's been a lot easier. The dynamic has changed, but you definitely got to start small. Cause people always ask me, you can't get the Drakes first. You got to get the smaller people. You got to get the hometown heroes in a sense. So it has changed in the past, but it's still the same concept. Be polite. Right. You know, you have to do a cold call because you have to outreach because they don't know you. How are they going right. to get to know you? You know, it sounds like you have a lot of courage. I mean, you have a LinkedIn profile now because, you know, if you just type your name, Matt Bursak, and now you have a whole like, you know, rap sheet of success. You know what I mean? And when I saw the LinkedIn profile, I'm like, OK, well, he's really in business. Do you use that platform at all for business no, or no? What's your no. LinkedIn profile about? The only reason I got a LinkedIn because I had to do it for like a gen biz class last year. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. And then some, once in a while when I'm like bored in class, I like I'll go on LinkedIn, see what's up. And then I'll see people following up, follow them back. Just because, like, you know, it doesn't hurt because, like, eventually I'm going to need to use LinkedIn for something. And also, I need to use LinkedIn because, funny enough, I actually partnered with LinkedIn on a shoe collection. We did, I believe, like 50 pairs for LinkedIn in the summer for all the executives in, like, the company. So we ended up doing, like, 50 pairs Oh, my pairs God, for that's LinkedIn. amazing. Yeah, so I needed a LinkedIn because they wanted to shout me out on LinkedIn. Okay, so LinkedIn is one of my favorite platforms. And I know it kind of feels like, you know, old-fashioned or something to you. And I remember a lot of people just don't really know how to use it for business. They think of it as a platform, just like if you're looking for a job. But first of all, LinkedIn, the reason it's the first hit on a search for you is because LinkedIn spends a lot of money to ensure that they come up first when people are doing vanity searches or searching for other people. They want to make sure that they're number one. So just keep that in mind because, you know, the more you can put on LinkedIn, the more results you'll get out of LinkedIn. But the other piece to me is, you know, if you were commissioned to do, you know, these 50 things for LinkedIn, I mean, the way that I would look at it is I'd say, well, I need to hit up all 50 people if I can get their names and follow up and connect with them on LinkedIn and also connect with the person that brought me into LinkedIn and maybe ask them a question the way you asked the rapper. You know, like I really wanted to just follow back up. It's been several months since we worked together. I really love that assignment. I had a really great time doing those 50 shoes. You know, the question would be, what is another step that I might be able to take to learn more about the kind of work that you're doing there that looks like what we already have done. I'd like to do more. I mean, I would be hitting that because the people on LinkedIn, it's a corporate space. It's a business space. Everybody there is just trying to make money and they're trying to figure out how to network and things like that. There's a lot of cold calling that goes on, but you have a direct connection or at least you have the ecosystem of the person that, you know, called you in the first place. I don't know if they're still there and then network because People on LinkedIn, they spend a lot of money and a lot of the corporations are all connected with each other because it's a closed kind of circular economy there. So for example, one of the people you made the shoe for, they might be heading up some initiative at Coca-Cola or something now. And then that Coca-Cola opportunity might turn into something like LinkedIn with more money or more relationships or a bigger network. So I definitely wouldn't sleep on that opportunity you had at LinkedIn because the other thing around LinkedIn is, you know, they're owned by Microsoft and they've integrated new technology in Microsoft with their ChatGPT product that they've I think have a majority stake. So it's really a great place to expand a little bit further. And I just think about a lot of entrepreneurs that started small like you did. And, you know, now they're doing really super huge things. And that actually leads me to another question for you. Like, what if you got a phone call from one of the major corporations? They said, hey, we want you to come in here and be like the global head of product. Would you take it or would you say, no, I want to just keep doing my own business? Yeah. So I was obviously aware of the opportunities that, like, you know, pretty much working with LinkedIn could bring. But they did end up saying, like, if I ever needed a job in marketing or something, like, hey, hit the line, we got you. <laughs> so it was dope knowing I have, like, you know, just from, like, doing that client, 
getting paid for it and then also getting essentially a job offer at the end of the day was super dope. And a lot of the stuff from LinkedIn did lead to more orders coming in. We did more orders for someone who was working at the company. Their like friend ended up buying a bunch of stuff for her brand and stuff. So we did the shoes for LinkedIn for the executives, but a lot of the employees wanted the shoes. So I had a lot of like individual orders as well from there. So we did a lot of work based off the work we did with LinkedIn because LinkedIn stuff turned into employee, customer stuff, small businesses related to family members of the people that worked at LinkedIn. And then from there, since LinkedIn posted, we had other big corporations reach out. So we're doing a lot of corporate stuff. That's another reason we changed from influencer marketing to corporate because obviously the payment's a lot better. It's a lot more flexible. The orders are larger. (laughs) And it just makes more sense to work with businesses and big corporate money that like, they essentially have infinite money, I'm telling you. Like, it's crazy. Like, not like... You know, it just, it, no, it's perks, I'm aware. <laughs> the perks are cooler. So it's like, that's another reason why we pivot into running ads as well, because we want to look a bit oh. more professional. Like we redid the website to kind of feature more of the work that we did for bigger clients and stuff, rather than just being, you can just buy shoes. No, we kind of focus on that branding on the website. You know, we changed the whole Instagram kind of layout with the highlights and stuff. So you're still building your fashion business, right? Yeah. I mean, is that ready for prime time at this point? Or are you still kind of working out all the details to make sure that there's a seamless, you know, supply chain flow? We're working on that, but it's just like we are at such an early stage where like we still gotta give a lot more attention to it. Like we're only at like I think we just hit like one point four K followers. So it's like we're still like in a thousand range. So like we're definitely focusing a lot of stuff on that. We're obviously also spending a lot more money on that side of the business because like we're in such early stages and like the approach is a lot different on the clothing stuff than to the shoes. Like with the clothing stuff, we're not doing any influencer marketing. We're going straight to ads. And so tell me about that. Why are you going straight to ads? And like, are you only focusing on Instagram? Or are you also looking at YouTube shorts and TikTok ads and, you know, Google search ads? What does your ad environment look like? Because buying ads right now, spending money on ads take some courage because there's just so many changes happening in the technology and some of the ads are not delivering because there's just a lot of reasons behind that. But what's your reasoning behind going straight to ads and skipping past influencer marketing? Because that obviously worked for you. Yeah, but I feel like it's a lot more different. To be honest, obviously, a lot of people have clothing brands and a lot of clothing brands are trying to do influencer marketing and they're trying to do a lot of content stuff. So I feel like what my friend did was focus a lot on the advertising and how he ran ads. And I really liked how he did it because it was like a lot more seamless. He doesn't have to do the trips. He doesn't have to do the outreach. He doesn't have to do this and that. And also, you know, it, it's tiring because a lot of these rappers are be on their own time. A lot of these shows be at random cities or you got to wait for them to come to Chicago or whatever. So it was just a hassle. I don't want to do that stuff. So I want to take a different approach. And I saw my friend's method kind of work. And I kind of wanted to duplicate that method while also adding the more organic content. Because he didn't even do TikTok. He just focused really heavily on Instagram. And I wanted to do my own style of that. So I don't know. I feel like it just, I want to change it up. I think for the clothing brand, it made sense in the early stages to do ads. Once I start getting bigger to the point of like where Kick Chicago is, then all the rappers will be kind of like more willing to wear it without me having to even ask. Cause I even noticed that with some brands like gallery department, like nobody was really in gallery department until, you know, someone liked it on Instagram or saw someone wear it and they started putting it on. And then gallery department getting those photos and then those photos started going viral and then other rappers started doing it by themselves. Now they have a more high-end clientele. They can charge more or whatever. So I want to do that. But I also do have, obviously, relationships. You know, I've sent out products and I've had people that do follow me be like, yo, I want to grab this. I want to grab that. So I do have, like, rappers and influencers that are purchasing the products. So I don't even have to reach out at this point because I already have that built-in relationship because I already did shoot for them. So they know, like, I'm valid. I'm official. Like, I know what I'm doing. The quality is great. So... 
I don't have to do so much on my end that I didn't actually shower because the foundation is either built. You know, I kind of want it to be built by itself rather than me having to, you know, rush over there and like hand it or, you know, make sure I'm selling my product. I want the product to sell for myself. So did you set up a holding company or are you just sort of each company's individual without giving away anything proprietary or private? But how are you managing the actual backend business stuff? Because are you doing that yourself or do you have an accounting firm? Do you have banking relationship? Like, do you have all these pieces where you're able to kind of not worry about that? Yeah. So like, for example, like I'm about to go see my accountant for like the taxes and stuff like that. I don't remember you having that no, when I, I talked not. to you in 2020. Like you didn't have all that stuff. No, I did not. I had to because uh, obviously you have like, you know, your website providers and, you know, your PayPal's or whatever, just like, you know, saying like, oh, you need tax forms. I was like, oh, what's the tax forms? And then I have to figure out how to do taxes. And like my mom obviously helped me and my dad. So yeah, that's changed because I had to register the business in Illinois or whatever now. And I got to tax all the taxes things each year yes. now. And, you know, I got to get all the forms ready. You know how it is. <laughs> yes, it's totally wild. I mean, that's sort of like, you know, learning by trial. Because I remember when I first opened my business and I was, of course, anticipating success, but I really hadn't thought about the implications around success. And I remember my accountant said, we cannot have your business set up this way anymore. You have to have an S corporation. Like this is too much money for you to be running on a Schedule C. And I realized my tax liability, he said, this is what you would have paid had you been an S corp versus what you're going to pay. I'm like, oh no, we definitely need to make a change because like I'm not spending that much money on taxes next time when I make double this what I made last time. It was just like one of those crazy things. So it sounds like you've made a lot of changes to your business strategy. I mean, you're not afraid to quickly launch new things. It sounds like this new business you're putting together is still a work in progress. It sounds like you're kind of putting out some money for this business to sort of see if it works, which I think is fantastic. I mean, how do you even get the courage to spend money? I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't want to spend money. They're afraid to spend money or they don't know how to spend it. And they're not taking risks with money. It doesn't sound like that's you. Like you're just willing to take some risks with spending. I mean, you did it in the beginning. You're giving away things for free, which is basically taking a risk with money. You know, you're using your own money to get people to buy your product. So, I mean, that doesn't sound like an issue at all for you. You're just like, look, whatever it takes, I believe in this, right? Yeah. Like I didn't want to start the brand for a little bit only because I want to make sure like the money I had saved up was enough money where I'm comfortable. Because right now we're burning money, I would say with broken order in a way with all the sample costs, with all the ads that we're like just testing to figure out what works, what doesn't work. It's like, there's a lot of money that goes into starting a brand that like, you know, just, it's just launch costs in a sense. Cause you know, sometimes yeah. you have to pay for some designs. Sometimes you gotta pay for some backups, you know, another website hosting more ads. You know how it is. It just costs yeah. adds up. And obviously I waited until Kick Chicago was kind of like stable at that 20 K mark where I thought it was like, I was comfortable. Like if something happens, I was actually Chicago to like focus on. I'm still focused on Chicago, don't get me wrong, but I also want to put a little bit more love into this new brand. But definitely didn't want to do it until I saved up. I'm definitely burning some money, but I also know it's going to pay off because I did burn money with Chicago in the beginning because obviously some of these trips we had to get out there to a different state by ourselves and we were burning money, but I knew it would pay off and it has paid off, thankfully. Some trips we also would like burn money and we wouldn't make any money because like maybe the shout out didn't convert or we didn't get enough good content to post. But we had that experience of, okay, everything's not going to hit. We're going to be fine if everything doesn't hit as long as we just stay persistent and, like, actually just stay level-headed. Like, okay, we lost this much money. 
Now we just kind of get back to work, get that one or two weeks going back, how like, you know, normal schedule, don't do anything crazy. Get back to like, like nice, even area where like we're comfortable and then we can go do another risk. You know what I'm saying? Let's say we did an influencer marketing campaign and we lost, let's say, I don't know, I'm going to throw some random numbers. Let's say we lost $500 on the trip with the cost and everything that happened or like something didn't pan out how it was supposed to pan out or how it was promised. Then we would go back to work for like a week or two and we would like kind of in a sense relax on the trips or relax on influencer marketing until, okay, I think it's time. Let's try this one more time. Let's see if this one pays off. The next trip we go on, we make $1,000. It'll be plus a thousand. So we'd be like, okay, we're good. We got plus a thousand. We can go next week. We don't have to wait and stuff like that. You know, we kind of felt the momentum, how it was going, and we based it off that. And the we is your videographer. Yeah. So it's mostly me. I say we a lot, but sometimes my videographer goes, sometimes he doesn't, but most of the time he did go back in the day because it would help him because, you know, he would get footage. He would get content that he could post on his portfolio because a lot of the rappers would show us love. There was advice to the show, advice to the studio sessions, stuff like that. So, you know, him getting that footage would be beneficial to him. So I would like to bring him along. So your kicks of Chicago, back to this business that's proven to be successful and profitable and beneficial for your learning as an entrepreneur and a business owner, and also just even adding value to your college education. Do you feel like your business is ready to sell again? I mean, do you think that kicks of Chicago is ready to be sold? And then you pocket that money and invest it and, you know, move on to your next venture, which is what you're doing right now? Or do you still feel like Kicks of Chicago can be a cash cow for you? I would personally still want to keep it for a number of reasons. First, I am graduating soon, so I kind of want to have something to do that's not just like investing the money or whatever, something that I know I can still grow because I think I still grow Kicks Chicago and there's still more, like obviously I want to get to the point where like I'm designing my own silhouette from scratch. So learning the manufacturing stuff from the other brands is going to translate over to Chicago long-term is the plan that like doing my own silhouette and when I do my own silhouette, I can paint those silhouettes. I can sell silhouettes. So I have control of the supply chain. It's more like a vertical integration where like I don't have to rely yep. on Nikes. You know, people can just wear my stuff casually. I can have my own colorways. Like, but I'm not doing the work. It's all made. All I'm doing is marketing. But I already have the platform because I grew to Chicago to this level. So it's stuff like that. Like, I know there's still more I can do with this brand. I want to do more until either burnout. You know, I'm not innovating enough. Don't or say like, that. You don't no, want to burn you, out. You no, know, not burn out. But you get the idea. We're like, I'm burned out. We're like, I don't yeah. want to do this anymore. Because yes. I still love doing it. So I'm going to keep doing it until I like, essentially don't love doing it. Or like, I don't want to do it anymore. Or I think there's bigger opportunities for me. But Kickstarter, definitely still doing it. I don't want to sell it for those reasons and stuff like that. And then obviously, there's so much stuff I can do with Broken Order. I can get into the accessories. I can also do kind of collab with the shoe stuff. You know, have a Broken Order shoe, a Kickstarter shoe or whatever. I could even start a retail space, having both in one confinement, something like that. There's just so much I can do with it. Like, why sell wow, it? Wow, you if have it's like so big versatile, ideas. You know what I'm saying? Where it's just so versatile because it's literally just fashion at this point. Because shoes, I mean, you're talking about like retail. You're talking about having a retail storefront, like a physical location. Yeah, there's just so much stuff. Like, why sell it when it's like just hitting its stride, I would say. What model are you looking at that's helping you think about this in such a broad way? You know, is there a brand that you're looking at. And I'm not talking about like Nike and Louis Vuitton and Gucci. Like, are there, you know, small or mid-market brands that you see? And it would be so easy to say, yeah, I want to be like Supreme. I mean, everybody would say that, right? But are there other brands that are doing what you're doing that are maybe even a little under the radar that you're just like, you know what, that's kind of heading in the direction I want to go? Yeah. So I'm not looking at like a specific brand, but I've definitely taken the aspects from different brands and trying to combine it to one. So you obviously have the aspect of brands like a round two where it's like a consignment shop 
where they have vintage and stuff, which is cool. But I want to also do stuff like an art studio at the same time or like having workshops. So I did like my first workshop with some corporate clients because like literally like last week I went to downtown Chicago and I brought all my like paint in and all my materials, all my ropes. And we're literally building shoes with corporate executives in downtown Chicago. So like there's just so much stuff. And I want to bring that aspect of, you know, having people build their own stuff, but like teaching. Obviously reselling stuff that's like, you know, the Jordans, the Thrift. Then also selling like the custom work, my own clothes. There's just so much stuff that I see different brands do. But, like, why not combine it? Because like it would just combine so seamlessly because everything is so related. So many aspects, so many of the same people do the stuff or buy the stuff that I'm doing or could be doing in, in my little utopia. So it's just like, you know, you have the round twos, you have the art workshops, stuff like that. So taking aspects from that and trying to make it my own. I love thinking about when I talk to you, all the possibilities of having a concept and giving it legs and building an ecosystem around it. I mean, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that have a real challenge with how do they, you know, add more elements to what they're doing where it doesn't take away from the core passion, the core idea, the core concept. Like, how do I make this more? And you're thinking about ways to do that. I love, love, love that you're using your ability to teach and share what you know with others and taking it to the corporate space and getting paid for it at the same time. I mean, you cannot come up with a better solution than adding value and giving value. It's just like exactly perfect. And I think it's fantastic that's happening. I mean, this is what people like Sarah Blakey do. You know, they have separate entities set up for speaking, for teaching, for workshops, for going into corporate and doing private things nationally and globally. I mean, that's actually a whole separate business that you could be lining up with your professional brand. You know what I mean? Now that you have this lane of success that you can go to launching businesses from creative ideas, it's a really big deal. And I'm just so excited for you. I just like feel like, oh my gosh, I want to go work for Matt Burzak. Can you hire me? I know I'm like, it sounds crazy, but I'm like, I love it. I love it. So I want to ask you about technology. The last time we talked, you had some ideas about what you want to see in the future, which were really interesting because what you said you wanted to see actually has come to fruition. You wanted to come up with a way to diagnose things virtually so people didn't have to go to hospitals and doctors. And I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly what happened. You know, right now we're in this like super powered age of using things like ChatGPT and other AI tools. And I don't necessarily want you to weigh in on those tools or what you think about them or what is the moral implication if you're using it or if you're using these things in college. But I am kind of curious, have you looked at any of these tools in terms of how they could complement or grow or scale your business? Have you used anything in the space of artificial intelligence with your own creative ideas? Or are you just kind of like, not really, because I need to give my brain a place to create on its own? Like, what are your thoughts around? Because you're a creative person, creative people can really do a lot more with some of these AI tools. Yeah. So obviously I've used like chat 3D for like assignments or whatever. Right. And just like to, you know, get better answers online for like questions I have, like even some of the stuff for my business, but I haven't used it in like any way to like directly use with my business. So I've used it for like basic like school questions and stuff like that or whatever, but I don't want to become dependent on it in a sense. I love it. And so let me ask you this question. I love that you said that because my final question is, I think about the story you told me when you were a little boy in Catholic school and you created something and you sold some things and made money every week. 
And yes, the Catholic school shut you down because you can't market in the school, but you had the space to create and use your imagination to make something. And I feel like what's happening now with some of the younger people is they're so captive by social media that they're not maybe having the opportunity to do what you did, which is to create things. You know, and I know that you're still a really young person, but you have maturity now because you're in college, but you're still not that far away from the young budding creative mind, what would you say to a really young person or how would you help them realize that when they're spending so much time looking at social media and not creating, that it actually is maybe taking away their opportunity to become Matt Burzak, right? To actually come up with their own ideas. Like, how do you talk to a young person to say, these are just tools, but don't use them too much unless you're using them to create? Like, what's your philosophy around that? Because I was listening to a podcast recently and somebody was saying, you know, we probably have, you know, a hundred Einsteins, but we can't find them. We can't see them because they've been captivated by social media. Yeah. So obviously I personally, I'm on social media a lot. And just because like, you know, I gotta go switch through the pages, always answer questions on social media. I always got to be posting. But my whole thing is like, if I see something I like, I save it and then like yesterday, for example, I had like a brainstorming day where like I was take all the ideas that I screenshot throughout the week and I was just like, which of these ideas do I want to do? Like, for example, I saw like someone do like a denim pair of forces from scratch. I was like, I could customize with denim. So then I did research on denim fabrics and Louis V denim and stuff like that that I want to use that I'll later like probably do for some like big name in the future, right? So you want to take the ideas, make sure you're saving them because it's so easy to just keep scrolling. So you definitely need to save it, but also you need a time because a lot of people save stuff to their phone, but they don't give themselves time to look back at the stuff. And I make sure like at least every two weeks I'm cleaning out my camera roll, looking at all the stuff that I save and all the stuff that like I need, don't need. And I start making albums in my camera roll just like for ideas, marketing ideas, product ideas, design ideas, just so I'm more organized. So I'm actually going to do the stuff that I see on social media. So it's social media taking my time and people always use the excuse that like, oh, I'm getting inspired and all this stuff. Yeah, you're getting inspired, but it don't mean anything unless you actually put it into work. So now I make sure I give myself kind of that time to do the stuff I want to do, but also just don't procrastinate because, like, that's the killer. Social media is just another tool to procrastinate. So, like, if you're not procrastinating, then you're actually using the stuff that you claim to be using through social media. You know what I'm saying? Like, I saw, like, a design. I was like, all right, I want to do this design for my next collection. And that's what I did. And there's just so much stuff to distract you. You just got to make sure you're focused. At least you give yourself a day to focus on what's important. I love it. Oh my gosh, you are so amazing. I'm really glad you shared that strategy. I'm actually going to think about putting my camera roll and making folders as well. I didn't even think about doing that. And I love that you said one of the challenges for all of us creators that we don't always go back and look at the things that inspired us. Like we just keep scrolling. So you know what, Matt, this is so great. I'm so glad to reconnect with you. I feel like, oh my gosh, you're so creative and so amazing. I'm delighted to have seen your growth. I love following you. I mean, everybody needs to follow Matt Burzak. And I love Kicks of Chicago. Would you suggest that's the best place for people to see what you're up to? Or do you have other channels you want people to go to now? What's your like, send people here? I always send them to either Kicks Chicago or my personal page because in my bio, I have my link tree. I have all the stuff that I've been doing. You see all the celebrity photos. You see all the trips. You see my broken order page. You see my Kick Chicago. I got my link tree. So that's your Matt Burzak page. Yeah. And then my link tree is in like Kick Chicago as well. So if you want to see okay. everything, just go to that link tree and either my Matt Burzak profile or Kick Chicago profile. And you can see like literally everything we've been doing. I'll put that in the show notes. 
Listen, Matt, thanks for this wonderful conversation. Everybody needs to check out Matt Burzak. And you've got to listen to episode 39 of the Honest Field Guide podcast because you can see his real big digital transformation, his mental transformation, you know, even his physical transformation, for God's sakes. <laughs> it was really a lot younger, you know, three years is a long time for when you're your age. So listen, thanks so much for coming. Everybody, please follow the show. Check it all out. I am Ginger. I am Matt. And we'll see you next time. Original music is written by and provided courtesy of Utah Carol. Follow Honest Field Guide on Instagram and Twitter. The opinions expressed on the Honest Field Guide are opinions only. Please do your own research.